0: Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If I only
1: had one week left, who would I call? What would I say? Where would I go? What would I do? What would I eat? I think these are really good questions to have. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast episode 198. Thanks for being here and watching and listening wherever you're coming from, all the different platforms, whether it's Spotify or YouTube or Apple podcast or iHeartRadio. Thank you for being here. I love to do this. And it's one of the it's one of my favorite things of all the things that I do. I answer your questions, email me Granger Smith podcast at gmail.com could be about any subject. And we'll put it in the queue. And we'll pull them up randomly. I don't have any notes or I'm, I'm not prepared for any of the questions. So we'll just walk through it uh, as I hear it for the first time, react to it, just like we're two friends. Okay, first question. Subject line here says, let's see, family and career happiness. Hey, Granger, my name is Joe. I'm from Farmington, Utah. First of all, I love the show. Keep it up. I'm a second semester freshman in college. I have no idea what I want to study in. In other words, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what career to aim for. My biggest goal in life is to have a happy family. I want to make enough money for them to be able to live comfortably, but I'm not a money seeker by any means. Every interest of mine would make me a happy worker, but it wouldn't earn much money in the workforce what which should be my priority a happy comfortable family or my own personal happiness thanks joe all right joe shout out to beautiful utah thank you for emailing brother let's walk through this i i think i think this is the old uh the old saying putting the cart before the horse you are you're asking me a question on what to prioritize when the, one of the options hasn't even happened. It's just completely hypothetical. So you're like, hey, Granger, which of these should I choose? And one of them doesn't exist. I'm, I'm gonna say, hey, Joe, it's gonna be hard, to, it's gonna be hard to prioritize and make decisions on things that don't exist yet. I understand the ambition. I understand the dream and the hope that one day, Lord willing, you will have a family. First, you don't know if that's going to happen. Second, and most importantly, you don't know how they are going to react to what you do for a living. They might not need money or to be quote unquote comfortable like you're saying. Maybe you find a wife that just loves you for who you are and loves you because you're happy with what you do, regardless of. If it makes money or not, regardless of if she can go to Amazon and buy stuff all day long. Maybe she's just like, Joe, I just, I love you. I know we don't have a lot of money, but we have a lot of love. And I love you. And I love that you're happy at what you do, even though it doesn't make a lot. I love you for what you do. What, Joe, what if you found a woman like that? I hope you do, by the way. But all this planning, all this worrying, all this prioritizing... For something that hasn't happened, you don't know if you find a wife that says, Joe, it's more important to me that you are happy doing something you love instead of making a lot of money for us that we don't need. It's another thing to say for your kids to be looking up to you saying, you know, Dad never made a whole lot of money, but he always loved what he did. He was always happy. And that is more inspiring to me as a kid than a dad that hates what he does. He just does it because he's trying to make money so the wife could go spend it. Does that make sense? Chase after what you are passionate about right now. Study in your second semester of college what you love right now. That's going to make everything easier in the long run. Next question says open heart surgery at 27. Hey Granger, starting my week out with your podcast has completely changed my work week. It always gets me in a great state of mind. Thank you for that. I'm 27 years old. I'm a female from Iowa. I have open heart surgery a week from tomorrow to replace my aorta. I am feeling very anxious and nervous and I'm struggling with those see you laters I'm gonna have to give throughout the week. I'm constantly thinking about the worst case scenario. And it's starting to weigh extremely heavily on me. Also, my boss is pushing me really hard on a return date to work. I am already unhappy at my job and feel pressure to put this surgery off for them to get through our busy season. How do you handle this? I was raised to be loyal and work hard always, but I'm struggling to put myself first here. Thanks for all the content. You'll never understand how much it means to me. God bless. Morgan. All right, Morgan, thank you so much for being vulnerable and for the email. And um, it's gotta be very difficult for you. I can't imagine going through open heart surgery, something so serious at such a young age. So uh, my heart goes out for you with this. And I also can't imagine the see you laters that you're gonna have to give. What I think is a gift, just reading this once, not being able to fully process what's going on here, but my first reaction as I read it for the first time here is that it's a gift for anyone to be able to have a chance to think about their own mortality in a way so much that you are, you're gonna say goodbyes to people. Like, hey, I'm going into surgery next week, I wanna say goodbye. And I don't want to make this awkward, but I want to say goodbye because, well, it's an open heart surgery and, you know, anything can happen. Let me say that not a lot of people get that kind of opportunity. Not a lot of, not a lot of people get a chance to evaluate their own mortality, how fragile their life is. Not a lot of people get that chance. And it is a gift to see in the mirror your own fragility i hope you see it that way i hope that you could come to see it this way i want to talk about to the boss thing this it's crazy it's crazy for all of us listening and from the outside looking in it's crazy you're going into an open heart surgery you got you got a lot going on you got a lot on your mind and your boss is saying hey, I really need to know so I could plan ahead. I really need to know when you're coming back. So you don't like it. Your boss is pushing you in a weird way. I think this is a really good time, in my opinion, to because you asked, what would you do? I think this is a really good time, Morgan, to go to your boss and say, at this time in my life, as much as I have appreciated the work, I'm going to take some time off. Inevitably, extended. I'm not sure if I'm coming back. And I appreciate the opportunity so much and, and everything that you have done for me with this kind of platform that you've given me, whatever the job is. But due to this medical condition and this surgery, I don't know how soon I can get back to work. I don't know how soon I'll be back to feeling normal or if pushing it too hard at work might cause an extended recovery for me. So all that being said, I think out of respect for you and our busy season, I would say, don't expect me to come back. I think that's a really good. This is a really good time in your life for a really good excuse to back away from something that you don't like anyway. And during that time, I would really encourage you Morgan to dig in deep to your own mortality be thinking during this, this week before the surgery, not in some kind of weird, morbid, scary way, but be thinking, if I only had one week to live on this earth, and you, of course you'll this is doctors are great. So this is there's nothing to worry about. But I think it's a great thought experiment. If I only had one week left, who would I call? What would I say? Where would I go? what would I do? What would I eat? I think these are really good questions to have. And I hope you do that. I hope you email back to and let us know how this goes. Next question says subject line saved by narcissistic parent saved, but narcissistic parent. That's what it says. Hey Granger, I'd like to stay anonymous. I'm a believer in Christ and I've been struggling with PTSD for the past year from verbal and physical abuse from my mom. I need to talk to her about the problems that I'm having with her, but I'm super nervous and feel like I'll shut down if I confront her. Any advice? Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And my advice would be, because I think it's a legitimate concern, I think, Uh, She's probably, you said she's narcissistic. She's probably someone that could shut you down with a look or a talk or a a gesture or body language. And you're not going to be able to, to express yourself. She could shut you down. Okay, so let's know that and let's go into the situation differently. One thing you need for your PTSD is you need to, Forgive her. Now, I don't know how many times I've said this in 198 episodes, that forgiveness is not something you need to totally believe inside you when you say it. The healing really starts after you express it. And, maybe more importantly, when you forgive someone, that is that does not matter how they respond to the forgiveness, whether or not it worked or not. Forgiveness is on your part, not the other person. Otherwise it's not forgiveness. You forgiving someone has nothing to do with how they take it or if they accept it or if they say agreed or yes or whatever. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is total grace on your part to say, I no longer hold you guilty right you don't have to believe it but you can say it and let let your heart catch up to that later and that's that's complicated but there is such healing in forgiveness when you just say it and there's no strings attached to it it's like mom i forgive you after all these years and you don't have to add things to it. You don't have to say, but, or although, or even though, or however. You just say, "My, I forgive you, and I love you. Not because of something you've done, but because of who you are. You're my mom, and you always will be, and I love you, and I just want you to know without strings attached that I forgive you. Now, forgiving like that doesn't have to be trusting or giving a second chance. It has nothing to do with giving them a second chance. Forgiving is something for you, a grace from you, a gift of grace from you that then begins your healing. Mom, I forgive you and I love you. And I just want to tell you that. Okay, so that's not completely solving your problem. That's just solving the content of your discussion but not how you deliver it. My suggestion would be, because she could shut you down if you if, because of who she is, I would suggest a letter. I think that's a good thing. A, a good, old-fashioned, handwritten letter. Not a text or a phone call, because she, she could shut you down in either one of those two things. And email's weird. I'm talking old-fashioned, good letter. You got a letter and you got a pen And you write this out and you say, whatever you need to say, but I want forgiveness to be part of it. And I want, I love you, mom, to be part of it. And I want no caveats, no strings attached in it. And then, um, what you can do, you could deliver it. You could hand deliver it. You can go to her house and say, mom, there's a lot of things I want to say. And a lot of things that I've wanted to say over the years. And I'm... I'm I'm dealing with insecurities and I wanted to hand this to you and just say, I put everything in this letter. I'm feeling vulnerable right now, so I put everything in this letter. Mom, look her in the eye. Mom, can you please read it? Not right now, but when I leave, can you read it? Thank you. And then you're out. That, that would be my first option. I would suggest that first. My second option would be... Um, delivering it where she doesn't see you. It's not as cool and not as effective, but you could just put it in her mailbox or something like that. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going with that, that answer. Let's hit another one here. Subdecline says, boys work roles and advice. Hello, my two boys, Logan 12 and Landon 10 and their neighborhood friend Bentley 10 came up with an idea for a yard work company, a VIP company, actually, I initially gave them an eye roll thinking these kids don't even make their bed without a fight. How the heck are they going to do a VIP service service. But like the awesome parent that I aspire to be, I said, Sure, go ahead, do it and do it well. I gave them a few pointers on and off they went. Um, They have helped neighbors dig a small pond, uh, gathered up sticks, overseen a small burn pile, and blown leaves. The neighbors have been pleased with their work and have given them fair pay and Dr. Pepper. It sounds good, and it is for the most part, besides a few disagreements. What advice do you have for them in regards to choosing and sticking to their roles and responsibilities and also working through disagreements? My sons argue over the management position, go figure. And of course, they play more than they work. They are still just kids, uh, just looking for tips on how to encourage them while they still learn the value of hard work. Yeah, this is great. Um, it's a great email, and I'm I'm happy for you and your parenting. I love the sentence you wrote where you said, "Being the awesome parent I aspire to be." Hey, that's that's humble. I like it. It's like it's like admitting that you're not an awesome parent, but you want to be, so you'll you'll do things according to the map that you've created i like that um i like the i like the part where it says at the end they play more than they work i'm i'm glad for that i think it's a good thing i'm i'm glad that uh these boys 10 and 10 and 12 still have the ability to play and work i think i think learning that balance will be something they continue through adolescence and into manhood. They'll continue to learn um, the difference between work and play and where those two things come together, and I would want them now to have a little bit more play. Um, Your question is, what advice do you have in regards to choosing and sticking to the roles and responsibilities? Um, One thing I would recommend is, well, first of all, Make sure you manage your expectations about how this is going to go. Right? Because if they wake up next week, and they're like, VIP service is done, mom, we're done. Manage your expectation, so that you say, okay, okay, I understand. And I'm, I'm really pleased with the work that you've done so far. Okay, make sure that you're not like, no, you start this, you're gonna finish it. And you got to go all the way to the rest of November or whatever it might be make sure that that's not what it is that that's when it gets kind of complicated. I would recommend that they pay for every tool that they use. Now you can jumpstart them and maybe, let's see, maybe you got them a rake, you know, for the leaves, maybe you got them. um, Like a, a propane lighter for their burn pile, I don't know what else. But from now on, now that you've got them kickstarted on this thing. uh, From now on, I would say, let's have them pay for the new tools that they need. So if they go, hey, mom, now they they don't only want us to rake leaves, they also want us to trim the hedges. So could can you get us a hedge trimmer? And it's like, No, no, I can't do that. You can continue working. And you could find out how much the hedge trimmer cost down at the sporting or the uh, hardware store. And We'll find out how much that costs. And now you know how much to work towards so that you can get that. You guys could split it three ways if you want. And then when you get the hedge trimmer, that's going to open up new business. Now you could advertise hedge trimming. And then you'll make up for that cost, right? I that, that's such an important lesson to learn, uh, right off. So manage your expectations and then let them buy things. If they mess things up, let them pay for that too. The only thing I would push them on is if they start a job at one of the neighbor's house, they have to finish it. You and dad are not gonna come bail them out. They're not gonna leave a half raked pile of leaves in the yard and then you and dad are gonna go at 9 p.m. and finish it up for them. That would be bad, We we don't wanna do that. So they're gonna finish everything they start. Otherwise, they're gonna call the neighbors themselves, not you, and they're gonna say, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, uh, we decide Slogan and Landon and Bentley, and we decided that we're going to not continue the VIP service. <laughs> you know, uh, Just make sure that they're doing that. And here's another thing. If they're having a disagreement about management position, then tell them the manager of U3 is the one that has to make the phone call. To the client. You have to tell them that you're what time you're coming. You have to be the one that tells them that you're not going to finish or that you're not going to come back next week. Who wants to be the manager now? Also, the manager, if the other if one guy gets sick, you're doing double duty because you're the manager. Who wants to be the manager now? Try to weed them out with stuff like that. I think that will help your disagreements. And I think they'll find out hey, being a manager, maybe it's not as cool as I thought. I love the story. I appreciate the email. We're going to take a break. Be right back. This podcast is brought to you guys by Better Help. You know, sometimes in life when we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't easy and clear, like I'm going to talk. Fully about in my new book like a river that comes out just in like a week August the first losing our little boy River at three years old put us in a place that we could not recover on our own we tried everything and therapy was an important part of that journey so whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else therapy can help you move forward with confidence it can help you unpack how to trust in order to make decisions to continue forward but i know what you're thinking where do i even go about finding a therapist that sounds so daunting well if you're thinking about trying to start therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suitable to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist then at any time for no additional charge let therapy be your map with better help. Visit betterhelp.com Granger today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com help, slash Granger. If you want to get a hold of me personally, maybe get a message from me, a video message from me. It's super easy at cameo.com slash GrangerSmith or on the Cameo app, search for me Granger Smith. I'll make a personalized video message right from my phone to you or whoever you want and say whatever you need me to say encouragement happy birthday happy anniversary whatever it might be let me do that for you at cameo.com slash granger smith back to the podcast all right back to the podcast answering your questions email me grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com and we'll throw you in the queue here next question Subject line says work, and it says keep anonymous. Hey Granger, my name is, that's always so funny when it's just said keep anonymous. I won't read it, okay? It says I'm 15 from Minnesota, just recently moved to a new house and it's going good. I got a job at a farm and I love working on it, but work just takes up all my time. I never have time to hang out with my friends or family or this sweet girl that I like. I just wanted to know what are some ways to help me balance my time. All right, anonymous, appreciate you emailing, brother, I don't know what's going on in this email, because I'm pretty sure you said 15. I know you said 15. And it sounds like you're 35. Because you're talking about you, you just moved into a new house, and it's going good. And then you start talking about the job. And you don't have any time for friends or family or your girl. And it sounds like you bought a house. <laughs> you're living in your house and you're like paying bills and paying the mortgage. That's what it sounds like. So that's why I'm, I'm a little confused. Um, what's going on? You're 15. I'm assuming I, I know certainly you're talking about you're living with your guardian or parents. Right? Right? Okay. Why Why does it sound like you're paying for the house? Let me just put it that way. Why does it sound like if you don't work, the house goes away? Why is there so much pressure on you working all of the time when you're 15? 15 15-year-olds should work. Don't hear me wrong on that. But 15-year-olds should not work so much that they have no time for anything else in their life. School is not even mentioned in this email. So you say, I never have time to hang out with my friends or family or a girl. Th- that's a problem. So I can I can give you tips on balancing time and managing time, but that's a conversation I would have with a 30-year-old, not, not a 15-year-old. That's, that's different. I could talk to you about, uh, your power list and coming up with your schedule and making your, you know, making your checklist and what time you're waking up. And I could talk to you about that, but that's silly because we have a lot of other priorities. There's like three priorities for you, in my opinion, three priorities that come before working. Working at this point is making money so that you could help out a little bit at the house. I get it so that you could maybe be saving for a truck, I get it, and saving for a few things that you like, some clothes, new pair of jeans, um, a a movie night with with this sweet girl you're talking about, that stuff. And if you're working more than that, then we need to talk about why and is this the right job and uh, is the house too expensive And is everyone managing money? Okay, that you're working so much? Those kind of questions. Those are the kind of questions I have. Um, Yeah, and I would go there instead of ways to balance your life. Besides telling you, hey, anonymous, if you don't fix this now, you're going to realize quickly, you're only 15 once, if you neglect friends, and parents, and family, And this girl, if you neglect them for this job to make money that will go away, that will get spent, that will get eaten up in some truck payment, if you do that too much, you're going to have serious problems in three, four, five years. Because you're going to look back and realize, oh man, I chewed up my teenage years and they're gone and I don't have them back. And those were formative years for me. Those were years that I was learning about life and girls and friendship and, and being social. These were years and I was supposed to learn that. And instead I didn't. I was stuck in my work. So be very careful. You're only 15 once. Be very careful with how you use that time. Next question, subject line says failed marriages and says, hey Granger, my name is David. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm newly married. All my life, I've been surrounded by failed marriages. Regardless if it's family, friends, or whoever it may be, my dad passed away when I was 10 years old. So I really don't remember how my parents' marriage was. What advice do you have to give a newly wedded man? PS my wife walked down the aisle to You're in it. We are huge fans. Thanks for your time, David. David, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much and congratulations on the new marriage. I'm happy for you guys and um and I'm very honored that you used You're in it for for such a special moment in your life. Thank you so much. I love that to have that kind of connection. Um I typically when I get a question like this, I pull out a similar card each time to play, right? It's like, if this was a card game, I'm pulling out this card. If you're gonna genu- just generally ask me advice for a newly wedded man or couple or woman, I'm gonna pull out the card and say, that says, be selfless. Remember now, <laughs> remind yourself now daily that is not just you anymore it's not just about you and when Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself I said this last week we have to assume when Jesus says love your neighbor as yourself not more than yourself or love your neighbor in some relation to yourself it's very clear that he's saying love your neighbor the same meaning there is an assumption that you already love yourself. It doesn't say learn to love yourself and then then once you learn to love yourself, then you could love your neighbor. That's that's what the cult- culture says and kind of twists that all the time. You hear weird stuff like that. get to learn. remember you have to learn to love yourself first and then, When you loved yourself, you could love others. How many times have y'all heard that? Twisted, weird, cultural garbage. And that's not what Jesus said. And that's not what you know to believe. Because you know if you think about it with your heart, you think about yourself. You think who you are inherently, how you were born. Your nature, your human nature says, take care of myself. I'm hungry. Feed me. I'm thirsty, I need drink, I, 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 I'm tired, need to lay down. Like we're so primal. I have a headache, I can't think until I have some aspirin. I got a headache. Oh man, I got, got this aching back today. I just, oh, I got this crick in my neck and every time I turn left, I just cannot stop thinking about this crick in my neck and I'll do anything to relieve that or let's flip it, man, you know what I can go for tonight? Some steak. Oh man, there's nothing like a good steak on a night like this, or football games on. Ha, I can't wait, I've been waiting for this game, this game, and this moment. I've been wanting to see this particular game for like a year. This is the rematch of last year's crazy game. And this year it's prime time, 7 p.m. And I've got my couch ready, my TV ready, and I'm ready for no distractions, ready to watch my game. This is what we do. This is what humans do. We love ourselves. That's the default. And so Jesus is saying, go against the default and love your neighbor as yourself. Like that, like you do, like when you get a headache and you need aspirin, when you want to watch the game, when that's what you want, when that's what you need, when you want that steak, when you want to lay down taking all those things, that love you give. Yeah, ju- just do that to others too. <laughs> it's not the default. It takes effort to do that. It takes, it takes a big switch of the brain to go, Oh, I'm David. I'm newlywed now. <laughs> I've got a wife now. It's not just about me. And, and Jesus is saying, and I'm saying now, because I agree, I'm saying that you don't have to go above and beyond for your wife. You don't have to pour out superficial love. You don't have to wake up and go, how am I going to multiply this love over and over to my wife today? Because you can't sustain that. All you, all you need to do is love her like you love yourself. That's it. So, Watch her. Think about her. Think about when she's, whatever equivalent to that football game is to her, make sure you don't schedule anything then. Wh- whenever, whatever that equivalent thing is to your steak, your craving, cook it for her one night. Whatever equivalent feeling that, that you get when you just want to lay down and take a nap and close off the world, you're so tired, make the bed for her. Turn down the blinds and the lights, make it nice and say, babe, you go to bed early tonight. You had a tough night last night, go to bed early tonight. I'll take care of the dishes. I'll take care of everything. So you're just, you're not going above and beyond. You're just, you're giving her what you would do, how you would treat yourself. That's just not revolutionary. This is not brand new groundbreaking information, but it's marriage saving it's marriage saving. And for all the people, I said this last week too, for all the people that are thinking, hey, one problem. I don't love myself. In fact, I hate myself. I would say I don't agree. I don't agree. Hating is not the opposite of loving hating is a close brother it takes a lot of passion a lot of energy a lot of attention to hate something so if you're hating yourself that means you're pouring a lot of attention on yourself the only thing opposite of love is indifference i don't care could care less i don't care at all i hadn't even thought about it nobody's indifferent to themselves okay lover just like you love yourself. You'll be good. Let's hit another one here. Subject line says, Fatherhood. Hey, Granger. My name is Cody from San San Augustine, Texas. I'm 27. Been a fan for the past 10 to 11 years. My question is, do you have any tips for a first-time dad? My wife and I are expecting our son in September, so I'd greatly appreciate to have some advice from a favorite country singer. I already plan on raising him around the church. Many blessings for Amber, London, Lincoln, Maverick, and yourself." All right, Cody, thanks for emailing, brother. Thank you for being a fan, and uh, congratulations. Expecting a son in September, and guess what? That's my birthday's in September, too. So, I love to tell first-time dads, <laughs> because we're so, dads are so out of the loop and out of control. We Having a baby as a dad is something that is just, it's helpless, because we can't do anything. We can't. We can't even help our wives. It's hard to even provide comfort because a lot of times they don't even want it from us at least. And what do we know about any of it? So all we can do is sit there and uh, stress out (laughs) about it. So um, don't take that. That's not the the advice I'm giving. My advice is this. You say tips for a first-time dad. Well, all you got to do, it's super easy if you think about it. All you have to do is stay one step ahead of them. It can get daunting thinking about, man, I gotta gotta got my son coming. Oh man, I gotta get him a go kart. I gotta think about baseball. Oh yeah, yeah, it's summer league baseball. I better get him a glove. And then we're gonna have to think about maybe moving closer to some kind of uh, training for him for because he's probably going to want to be a pitcher in baseball. And then, oh yeah, I got to make sure that he's got a good bike. Every boy needs a good bike. And so I should make sure that we get this driveway paved because it's dirt and we're going to need to get that drive. And it's like your brain can go crazy thinking about having a, a boy in your house for the next 18 years. But you don't have to think about that. All you have to do is follow as he changes and he's gonna change quickly. You just gotta follow and the, the pattern that's already laid out before you and stay one step ahead. For instance, right now, you're a few months from birth, right? Well, all you gotta think about right now is making your wife, making helping her get that nursery set up. And that's your only job right now. It's your only goal, that's my only advice to you and your only goal is get this nursery set up right. Make it less work on your wife, make her not need to worry about where the baby is gonna lay its little baby head, okay? And then when the baby comes, now you got a certain amount of months before it's gonna need to start taking a bottle. Unless it's, unless it's, only breast If it's breastfeeding, that's one thing. But if it's not breastfeeding, you got to learn how to make the formula. That's easy, learn that. And then you got a few months until the baby is scooting around. So then you got to kind of prepare the floor. And then you got several months after that, now the baby's walking. So now you can baby proof the house then. And then you got several months after that, to so before the baby is climbing. So then you got to watch the chairs in the kitchen. So you're always just okay, what's the next step? What's the what's the kid going to be doing? Six months from now, okay, got to make sure we got to take care of these chairs and the kitchen because this kid's going to climb up on the kitchen table. And if you're one step ahead, then you don't have to worry about the next 18 years. You could you could even do your research for each tiny stage, but babies are laid out and they, they go down this timeline that's so predictable. It's beautiful. It's great for parenting. We don't have to worry about five years from now. We don't have to worry about a toddler when they're an infant. You don't have to worry about a teenager when they're a kid, when they're an adolescent. So, there you go. Don't be thinking about, what's he gonna drive? Is he gonna get my truck? Am I gonna pass that down to him? That's too much thinking. Let's hit another question. Question here says, in a slump, can use some advice. Hey Granger, my name is Lily. I have written the podcast before, but I could really use some advice. I'm 14 years old. I'm going into high school. I have been homeschooled for seven years, but this year my parents decided to do something different. I'm going to go to the school at the church that I have been attending. I'm the type of person that finds comfort in having control over things in my life. But lately I have felt that I don't have control over anything. I know that ultimately... God is in control. I also know there are some things that I have zero control over, but I'm just not sure what to do. I feel like I've been in a slump lately, and I'm struggling to get out of it. So many things in my life are changing, and I have always struggled with change. I've never liked it. I'm praying that God will reveal the answers to me, but I could really use some advice. What would be something you would do in this situation? Thanks so much. God bless. All right, Lily, thank you so much for the question, and for emailing and being vulnerable and being 14 and listening to a podcast like this. I'm going to give you an answer that would be different if I gave it to a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 20-year-old. I'm going to give you a different answer because you're a 14-year-old. It's nothing against you. I just think, I think the answer should change depending on the decade you're living in. What I mean by that is I, I love that you're praying. I love that you're leaning into God's sovereignty and providence, and you're kind of unpacking that a little bit. That's good. Um, I want you to think about this. The community, people around us is what builds confidence. We don't build confidence by ourselves alone. We build confidence in a community. So how do you find a community if you're not part of one and you need, desperately need it to build confidence, to help mitigate the change that's hitting you right now. This change is just all over you. And you're like, ah, oh, it's icky change. I don't like it. I just want it back to normal. I just want to be homeschooled again. That was better. So how do you find the community? Think about yourself and your passions. Maybe not even passions. Just think about what you like. What do you like? Do you like? Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be stumped here because you're a 14 year old girl and I never was a 14 year old girl. Let me speak from me, okay? Me, me, me. Baseball cards or uh, NFL football, Aggie football, um, uh, baseball gloves. Um, checkers, cards, maybe check maybe, uh, maybe some kind of skip bow or one of those card games, um, movies, certain kinds of, a very specific kind of movie. So what I'm doing this exercise, I want you to first of all, just go down this list. And if I were you, I would get this list. And I would write the 14 year old girl things, not the Granger 14 year old boy things, write the Lily things on a piece of paper, write it out. And then try to make an order of that. So it's like, number one is this, I love this. And I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about mom and dad. I'm not talking about grandma. I'm talking about hobbies, games, interest, uh, talents, that stuff. Maybe it's drawing, maybe it's painting, maybe it's singing, maybe it's playing an instrument, make a list and try to order it. And when you get that top three seek out those people. That's your tribe. So say say your first thing is water painting. You love to, you love to paint with watercolors, right? put it that way. You love it that's your passion and you're pretty dang good at it too. So you go to your school, this new school and you find someone, anyone, a teacher, a, a, the principal, and you just, and you say I want I want to get together with other people that that paint with watercolors, and then guess what? Guess what? Whatever your your top three list is, I promise you on that list you're going to find a group might be one, two, three, five, seven people that are like, man, I love painting with watercolors, and you go, I have an idea, I think every Monday night we meet at, at seven p.m. We meet and we have a a prompt that we paint all six days. And then on the seventh day, on Monday, we get together at 7 p.m. and we show each other the prompt. So I'll come up with the prompt, and then next week you come up with the prompt, some kind of idea or line or title, and then we paint it and we come together. And what you're doing without even knowing it at that point, you're building community, camaraderie, friendships. We need this. You're building confidence. They're pouring into you. You're pouring out to them. That's how you live. That's how you survive. That's how you mitigate that change. That's how it's not weird anymore. Now you're home. You have friends. You have family. That's how you do it. I love you guys. All y'all for for emailing. And as always, see you next Monday.